0: Call in at 303-690-3000.
2: Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, hey, what's going on? My name is Cody King, and uh, I am excited to be able to uh, be your host today on... Calvary Live. What a privilege, what an honor to do so. Like I said, my name is Cody King. I am your host today and uh, I want to thank all of our listeners on Grace FM for tuning in. uh, Those up and down the front range, welcome. It's awesome to be able to spend some time with you today. Also want to welcome all of our listeners on the East Coast on Hope FM and Truth FM. Um, It's really amazing, very cool that we can connect through technology in this way, that uh, God would uh, open doors for us to be able to just share his word and uh, pray about things that are happening in our lives. Um, And so if you're listening on the East Coast, then uh, I just want to remind you that you are listening on a one-week delay. So, uh, you know, when you call in, you may or may not get the person that you're listening to currently. Um, And uh, so, you know, just keep that in mind as you call in. We'd still love to hear from you. We'd love to talk to you, answer your questions, and uh, pray with you about different things that are happening in your life. Um, But you also have the added benefit of tuning in next week and uh, hearing yourself on the radio. Also, want to look, welcome all of our listeners online and through the Grace FM app. Um, you're you're definitely welcome to uh, jump in and tune in, and send in your prayer requests and uh, questions as well. So give us a call, no matter where you're at. I'd love to hear from you. Uh, you can uh, call in and uh, text in too. Also, uh, just uh, by way of reminder, if you haven't heard my voice before. My name is Cody King. I'm the lead pastor at Redemption Calvary. Uh, my family and I moved to Colorado from Southern California in 2014 uh, to prayerfully, by God's grace, plant a church. And uh, man, that's that is a wild ride, I'll tell you that. Um, there's uh, so many things that I couldn't even describe about what it's like to plant a church. But um, you know, one of the big things that stands out to me that's important in the the concept. Uh, that 's really been solidified within my own heart and mind is that the establishment and the growth um, and the ministry of uh, of a church it 's really a miraculous thing from the lord um, and you know just seeing this church be planted, we started it in our living room um, and uh, you know had our kids' ministry in our basement. And we had way too many kids in the beginning there. Uh, Well, not too many. I I don't know if that's really a thing, but a lot. (laughs) We uh, had a a number of families that had multiple people uh, or multiple uh, kids in their family. Uh, And so, you know, we ended up having to split it up and whatnot, but uh, soon outgrew our house and had to move into a public space and move from one space to another. It's been a really, really amazing thing. But, you know, all along the way, what the Lord has really spoken to me is that He is for his church. He loves his church. And he's the one who establishes his church. And so uh, if you're a a pastor, I just want to encourage you with that thought, you know, uh, that the Lord's for you. God is working through you. And the thing that you need to do the most is just rest in him, to trust in him, to, uh, to place your hope in him. There's there's not a program that's going to save you in your church. There's not going to be some sort of uh, magic thing that is going to somehow uh cause God's hand to move. It's going to be just you drawing near to him. It's going to be you giving your attention to him. And uh, you know, in that, not only is a, a church, a church plant, uh, from my perspective, very miraculous, um, but also. It is, um, it, I think that it really has more to do with what Jesus wants to do in you than what he wants to do through you. He, he's more interested in the work that he's doing within you. So anyway, uh, just a couple of random thoughts as I'm, I'm thinking about our church and what God's done in my life and uh, the things that we're getting to experience. We are uh, holding services, Sunday service at Henderson Community Church, which is on 120th Avenue, about a quarter mile east of Highway 85. Uh, we do one Sunday morning service at 10:30 a.m. and um, and we'd love to have you join us. Uh, we're currently studying through the book of First Samuel, and it has been an epic. Study Every single week, I'm blown away by how the Lord meets with us and uh, just speaks directly into our lives in such a profound way. If you want to have directions to the church, you want to listen to some sermons, uh, get some more information about the church, then you can totally do that. Check out our website, redemptioncalvary.org, redemptioncalvary.org. Also, you can listen to our radio program here on uh, uh, Grace FM. Uh, It airs weeknights uh, at 8 p.m., Sunday and Sunday mornings at 9 30 AM. And we're currently studying the book of Romans, uh, on our radio program. So it's exciting to be able to do that. You can also connect with us on our YouTube channel, as well as our podcast, just search for redemption, Calvary, look for a red square R and you'll be able to connect with us. Hey, uh, give me a call. Uh, I think currently we got all lines open three zero three six nine zero three thousand is the phone number. And uh, the text line 720-336-0897. 303 690 720, that's the call line. And then if you want to text in, uh, 720-336-0897. Hey, did you know that Easter Sunday is coming up and it's coming up fast? It's actually early this year. It's April 4th. For some of you, you're kind of blown away by that information, um, and, uh, so it's, it's coming up pretty quick and we, we're going to have an Easter service. It'll be a, um, uh, a family service. That's kind of the way that we do it. We have all the kids join us in the main, uh, the main sanctuary. And, uh, it's a, it's a amazing time. It's a great time to celebrate Jesus together. And we'd love to have a, have you join us. We're going to do one service at 10 30 in the morning. Uh, you can check out our website, redemptioncalvary.org, grab some information about that. And to make plans to join us, we'd love to have you there. It's uh, only thirty-four days away. Hard to believe. That's uh, it's mind-blowing that we're that close to Easter. We're super excited and pumped about that. Um, hey, just for those of you who are Christians, those of you who are believers, I just want to encourage you with a thought. Um, Easter and Christmas represent, or they present to us, unique opportunities to be able to reach out to uh, to those who uh, otherwise wouldn't wouldn't consider the church. They they might show up at an Easter service, um, and so I just want to encourage you to have ask the Lord for a little bit of courage, a little bit of grace, a little bit of um, fire to be able to uh, reach out to those people who you know, whether they're your neighbors, your coworkers. Your friends, family members, whatever it is that they don't know the Lord, or maybe they've walked away from the Lord, or maybe they're just disconnected uh, from the church in general, or you know they've they they've left their church for whatever reason. Um, just that you would take a moment to reach out to them and invite them to come with you uh, to Easter service. It, it, it'd be an amazing thing for uh, people that you know to be brought to the Lord by you to have that ministry, the ministry of Andrew, to bring people to. The Lord. Um, and so, you know, just uh, uh, want to encourage you toward that, uh, that end. Um, you're welcome to join us at Redemption, uh, but there's also lots of churches that will have uh, amazing uh, Easter services to jump in on as well. Hey, it's a beautiful day to talk about Jesus, to talk about the Bible. Give me a call, 303 690 3000, or you can send in a text message at 720 336 Nine seven. Hey, um, like I said before, we had, uh, we we are currently in um, at redemption. We're going through the book of First Samuel, and it, at first, in First Samuel, you know, one of the things that we uh, we're, we're actually in chapter ten, um, and you know, it's amazing to see how God moves in such specific ways in uh, Samuel's life, but in chapter 10, uh, it, it's in the middle of a transition away from Samuel as the main character towards Saul as the main character. And Saul is the first king of Israel. Uh, and later on, it'll transition again into uh, David being the, the second king of Israel following Saul. Uh, but in chapter 10, essentially what's taking place uh, one of the things that we focused on yesterday uh, during our, our service was that uh, chapter ten reveals to us four spiritual advantages for God's leaders. That God has given a spiritual advantage to His leaders, and maybe when you hear that, you the first thing that you think is, "Well, that's nice," but I'm not really a leader, and so that's for somebody else. And I would just, I would just push back on that and and kind of challenge you on that thought for a minute that really the the basic definition the most essential or boiled down definition of a leader is somebody who has influence and so if you have influence with someone if you have influence over someone then i would i would say you're in a position of leadership and so i want to encourage you to consider what are you doing with that position of leadership? how are you using that position of leadership that God has given to you um the the amount of of influence that you have or the number of people that you have influence with that's really not the point uh that's really not the the thing that matters it's what are you doing with the influence that God has given you uh, and so the the whole thing to consider is that as God has given um uh saul this calling, this establishment, this direction to be the first king of Israel, God doesn't just give him that calling, God also equips him. Because a calling by God always includes equipping from God. That that whatever God's called you to, whatever God's made you for, whatever that thing is that he's crafted you so carefully for, that he's done so, and he's also united that calling with equipping and so you can know and be certain that God's going to equip you. And, and through First Samuel 10, we see uh, these advantages that God gives. You, you know, it kind of reminds me when I think about it, it reminds me of my own story. I remember the day that I was called into ministry uh, by the Lord. It's, it's one of those moments in my life that stands out as a very clear moment in my life. I, I, uh, I remember I was at this... Um, Uh, This arena. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of acquire the fire, but that was something that happened back in the nineties. And uh, this guy was preaching the gospel and it was, I was in this room of, I don't know, maybe 10,000 other teens. And I felt like I was the only room, only one in this giant arena. I was the only one in the room and God had placed his finger right on my heart. And I, I had realized in that moment that the gospel message that Jesus lived sinless went to the cross died for me that it wasn't just it wasn't just this old story it wasn't just this thing that preachers say it wasn't just this fable and fairy tale but in that moment i realized man that's that jesus took my place that it was my my sin my faults my failures that he died for and i re- it became so vividly personal for me in my life and in that moment i i was saved because i chose to repent to turn away from myself and to dedicate my life to jesus to say i'll follow you wherever you want to take me and so i i went forward at the uh at the altar call there that they uh they had in this arena so i go forward and i pray to ask jesus for his forgiveness for his acceptance and Uh, commit my life to following him. And as I knelt down to pray, I felt someone's hand on my back. And in that moment, I knew exactly who it was. And I knew exactly what they were doing, that they were, this was the youth pastor who had followed me down and he placed his hand on my back and he was praying for me. And uh, he was caring for my soul and he was taking, you know, he was supporting me and he was uh, bringing me before the Lord. Uh, in this in this spiritual uh support and moment, and in that moment God spoke to me internally in such a powerful way that it is still directing my life to this day twenty three years later uh, that was uh, that was all the way back in nineteen ninety seven uh when this when this happened and twenty three years later, I am still on that same trajectory from the Lord uh, that he set me on in that moment that uh, that that youth pastor he prayed for me and as he touched me. Uh, on my back, I felt the Lord say this to me internally, not an audible voice, but internally what he's doing for you, you do for others. Now, I had no idea what that meant in the moment, but it stuck in my mind and it directed all my decisions from that moment on, from then on, everything that I've done, every career choice I've taken, every, the, the decision that I made to go to the school that I went to, uh, for college, all of that was directed by that moment. Now, soon after that moment, uh, I began to volunteer and serve in ministry, but you know, it would take seven more years for that calling to become realized. It took seven years from the time that God said, what you do, what he's doing for you, you do for others. And seven years later, that's when I was ordained. And though I was called, I wasn't ready. I needed more from the Lord. I needed equipping from God. And some of it happened in a moment but a lot of it actually took some time. It took time for me to spend with the Lord and for him to take old things out of me, put new things into me, change the way I think, and uh, really transform my life. And that's the power of the gospel. There is nothing on this planet that can change people. Not trying really hard, not having a good plan, not nagging someone into changing, none of that works. Not, Not setting a New Year's resolution, which I mean, come on, let's be honest. How many of us are actually doing those New Year's resolutions at this time? You know, none of that stuff is what changes people. Only the power and presence of Jesus transforms people. Well, if we have more time, I'll talk to you more about some of that stuff and what we went over on Sunday. But let's go to the phone lines now. We'll go to line one and uh, Pat in Greeley. Uh, You're on Calvary Live.
1: Hey, Pastor Cody, how are you doing today?
2: I'm well, how are you?
1: I'm well. Awesome. I hope I can uh, articulate this properly. Uh, sure. uh, give me just a moment to get it out. Um, yeah. This, go ahead and uh, try. this afternoon, I was listening to uh, uh, Grace FM, and uh, twelve thirty, uh, Pastor Chuck Smith was talking about um, where Jesus says, "I'm preparing a place for you." Okay. Uh, there are many mansions, and he what he was kind of talking about was that a lot of people have a misconception of these mansions. Uh, they're, they're not going to be, uh, you know, lush 10-room apartments with six bathrooms <laughs> and stuff. He was making kind of joke about it, which I thought was kind of funny. But I've read about the interpretation of those mansions. And from what I studied, uh, in the Jewish culture of Jesus' time— when the father, when the son would build on to the father's house, uh, where before they got married, uh, those additions were called mansions. That was uh, a word uh, to describe them. So it's really just an addition, a little addition to the house. It's not some 30 room mansion. But what Pastor um, Chuck said was this. He said what he thought and he believed was that the place that's being prepared for us and the mansion that Jesus was speaking of when he was talking about, I'm preparing a place for you, was our new bodies. And and I found that so intriguing because I've never, ever heard it expressed like that. But in a spiritual world, it, I... Uh, It made kind of sense to me. (laughs) So I'm wondering how how you would interpret that in the sense. sense. Now, that's if I understood him correctly. But it resonated with me. It's like, yeah, our new body is a mansion. It's going to be a splendid place. And God is preparing that for us. And in heaven, there are many mansions. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think
2: articulated that well. I think that's you know I think you did a great job trying to work through that. I, I know what it's like trying to you know state a question or even something that you have come to believe. And sometimes, you know, when you have the thought, it's it's sort of in your mind and it makes sense in your mind. And then you try to say it and you're like, I don't know if that made any sense at all. <laughs> you search for the words. But essentially what you're referencing is, is found in John chapter 14. And I'll just, I'll read what Jesus says there in John 14. It says, uh, John 14, verse one, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also, and where you go, uh, where I go, you know, and the way you know. And it continues on. Thomas says, "What are you talking about, Jesus? I don't know where you're going." Um, and, and so, essentially, what Jesus is doing here is he's he's given us a teaching about the the idea of these mansions. Now, like you pointed out. The word mansion that's translated in our English Bible, it's not necessarily um, the idea of what we would think of when we think of mansion. The, the word is literally dwellings. And so, you know, when you're considering the idea of a dwelling, um, you know, it, it could be, you know, this mansion, it could be, you know, uh, wh- you know, whatever house or, or whatnot. But the, the concept is actually more in line with a large house with lots of rooms, um, so it, it sort of has a dual application in that Jesus is giving us access to the Father's house, that, that we are being brought into that family, that we are adopted into the family of God. Um, and so that's where the, the concept of being in the Father's house sort of sort of, uh, is being illustrated for us there um, because it's his father and we're, we are given access to call him our father as well. Now, this is a huge concept, the idea of God as father, because the world talks about this idea as if we're all just children of God. And biblically, that's not true. That is just not the truth. The only people who are the children of God are the ones who are adopted into his family. That's it. Everybody doesn't start off by default as child of God. If that were true, then what's the point of the gospel? Why would Jesus die? Why would he uh, come to the earth to sacrifice himself on our behalf? So the the truth is that we are born as enemies of God. We're born as, uh, Jesus talks about it elsewhere in John, children of, of the devil. And he takes us out of darkness and puts us into light. He takes us out of death and puts us into life. He takes us out of enemy and makes us beloved. That's the amazing power of the gospel. So that's one kind of application in the idea of that. But but the other idea is like what you were talking about. The concept uh, that, that Pastor Chuck believed and, and I share is that this is also talking not about the idea of necessarily a house that's for us in heaven but about our eternal bodies um that God is prepared for us um i think it's 1 corinthians 15 i'm going to turn there uh real quick uh that talks about this idea of this eternal kind of a, a body see the the thing is is that it's described for us um that you know this body this earthly body is like a tent and our heavenly body is like uh, a building like that mansion um so that's that's kind of one of one of the concepts there. Um, let me see. So First Corinthians, and, go ahead.
1: And I love the the, the, the tie. Uh, our current bodies are temporary; they're tents, and mm-hmm. a tent is always temporary. But our new Amen. body, we're each a again? brick, yeah. and we're each part of that house, yeah. and that's eternal. And therefore, we're moving out of the tent and into a new dwelling which is our new body.
2: Absolutely. And that's why
1: it intrigued me.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I totally I, I totally resonate with that, and I think it's an amazing thing. That's also, that concept is the idea where, um, you know, so, some theologians would say that your new body is actually going to be comprised of parts of your old body um and so that's uh that, that's one of those those thoughts that's tied up within that but uh 1 Corinthians 13 or 15 starting in verse 35 it says but some will say how are the dead raised up and with what body do they come uh, it says oh f- uh, foolish one what you sow is not made alive unless it dies and what you sow you do not sow that body which shall be but mere grain perhaps wheat or some other grain but god gives it a body as he pleases, and so there's a couple of different analogies that are used there in First Corinthians 15. It's it's that you put a grain seed into the ground, and you don't get a grain seed back; you get an entire plant. There's there's one body that goes in the ground, and a totally different body that comes out. And uh, he talks about the idea of celestial and terrestrial bodies, and and that kind of idea to give us. An illustration of the idea. But yeah, I I would absolutely agree with what you uh, um, articulated, that this whole concept has to do with this new body that the Lord has prepared for us uh, in the heavens.
1: I get to listen to it a lot. And when he said that this afternoon, uh, I, I know it's a recording of him, but when he said that, It was like, wow, I I never looked at it like that. I I leaned more towards a dwelling added on to the Father's house, Mm -hmm. not a mansion as we know it. But when he said that, I said, well, yeah, he described our current body as a tent and our new body as the building of God made by God's hands. And that new building or dwelling, you use the word dwelling, is your new body.
2: Yeah, And I'm absolutely.
1: preparing it for you.
2: Yep. What yeah, a, because oh,
1: you, you aren't that. your
2: body, you know. Uh, you aren't well, your body. You live inside of your body, right? So exactly. you're not going to be in disembodied spirit in heaven. He's going to give you something to live in. And so that's where this idea of mansion sort of comes from. So thanks for calling in today. It was great to talk to you, Pat.
1: Great back to you. You have a blessed
2: day. Yeah, God bless you. Hey, you're listening to Calvary Live. My name's Cody here in studio, taking your calls and uh, answering your questions and prayer requests. If you'd like to give me a call, the number is 303-690-3000. You can also send in a text message at 720-336-0897. Let's go to Judy in New Jersey uh, with her question. Judy, you are on Calvary Live. Oh, hello, Cody. Thank you for
3: speaking with me.
2: Absolutely. What was your question?
3: All right, my question is, I'll go on a second, I got it. Where can I find the spiritual technique that Jesus used in the desert against the devil that he met up with?
2: Yeah, great, great question. Yeah, so what you're referencing is primarily found in Luke 4 and Matthew 4. Uh, both, Both accounts give a very similar account, uh, after Jesus was baptized, the Holy spirit led him into the desert for, uh, 40 days of fasting. And at the end of that fasting, Satan shows up and brings temptations to Jesus. And he tempts Jesus in three specific ways. And what we see that happens, the thing that is the, um, to use your phrasing, the technique Jesus uses is yeah. he is, uh, he quotes scripture that's the technique that he uses his hope his faith uh his um his ability to withstand the temptation of satan was directly linked to his knowledge of scripture and i would also say secondly not just his knowledge of scripture but that jesus had scripture hidden within his heart like psalm 119 says your word i've hidden in my heart that i might not sin against you that jesus had done this he had he had studied and, uh, and placed God's word within his heart. And the result was that when he needed it, he was able to recall God's word in that moment. And so every single time what we see take place, that, that Jesus is tempted, and then I'll, I'll take Matthew as the example. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, it says, But he answered and said, and then Jesus here in verse 4, he actually quotes Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3. Then the second temptation uh, that Satan brings, he brings. And then Jesus says in verse 7, uh, he said to him, it is written again. And then there in verse 7, he quotes Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 16. And then the third temptation comes, and Jesus' answer is in verse 10. It says, then Jesus said to him, uh, away with you, Satan, for it is written. So Jesus' answer is consistent, for it is written, verse 10. And in verse 10, uh, he quotes Deuteronomy six thirteen. And so each time Jesus is quoting the scriptures as his rebuttal against Satan, um, and so uh, so I would say that your spiritual weapon is going to be the Word of God, and that's what uh, Hebrews chapter four tells us about God's Word is that God's Word is is living and powerful, and it's sharper than a two-edged sword, able to divide between soul and spirit and joints. And marrow that God's word has the power to pierce us and and reach into us and cause us uh, to be able to um, be connected uh, to to his uh, to him and his word that way. So so Jesus's technique or his weapon it was God's word.
3: Okay, good.
2: Yeah, that absolutely.
3: Means, um, when I come across, if I feel that this is happening to me. Um, that I can dig deep down and the word will come to me again. Hey, Judy,
2: that music is playing, and so it's going to go to a break. But if you hang on, I'll talk to you after. Welcome
0: back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now.
2: Hey, what's going on? My name's Cody King. I'm here in studio talking to you about Jesus, answering your questions, taking your prayer request. It's a, an amazing thing, a beautiful day to be able to, uh, to talk about the Lord. Um, and so I'd love to hear from you. Give me a call, 303-690-3000, or also you can send in text messages at 720 uh, 720- uh, I forgot the number three three six zero eight nine seven. Hey, my name's Cody. I'm the pastor at Redemption Calvary. Uh, we meet in Henderson, which uh, if you're not familiar with the northeast part of Denver, then you have no idea where Henver- uh, Henderson is at. It's a little tiny uh, town, right, kind of nestled in between Commerce City and Brighton. That's just north of Commerce City, just south of Brighton. Uh, we're meeting at a, uh, a church called Henderson Community Church, which is on 120th Avenue, about a quarter mile east of Highway 85. Uh, we got one Sunday morning service at 1030 a.m., and I would love to have you join us there. You can grab information about our church at redemptioncalvary.org uh, with directions, sermons, uh, all sorts of info about different things going on, Redemption Calvary. Dot org uh, so go ahead and check that out hey let's go back to uh, Judy in uh, New Jersey on line two uh, thanks for holding over Judy um, what was your yeah. what was your question
3: well my question was I need to know to brush up on the spiritual techniques that Jesus used in the desert against uh, the devil when the devil approached him I need to know that because recently I've I feel as though I've had an encounter, um, of course not with the devil himself, but something bad, and I drew a blank, and that's not like me. So I need to brush up on this, but I also know that Uh there was something, a spiritual teaching that I know where to look and brush up on those techniques for the future.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, what I would point you to is two primary things. One is what we talked about before, looking at uh, Matthew chapter 4, uh, also Luke chapter 4, is sort of a, a mirror of this moment with Jesus out in the wilderness. And his primary thing that he did was he uh, he quoted scripture. But the second thing, and that's that's the thing that's actually, it precedes this, that I would say is vitally important uh, that we we would need to do is follow in the footsteps or example of Jesus in the idea that what takes place uh, in, in Matthew and in Luke before Jesus goes out into the wilderness is he's baptized. Now, for Jesus, this wasn't a baptism of repentance. It was a baptism of obedience. It's, it's what he was being obedient to the direction of the Father. For us... It's a baptism that symbolizes or represents our obedience. So when we get our uh, our repentance and obedience. So when we get dunked in water, Romans 6 says it's representing our identification with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. That the same way that Jesus died and was buried and rose again, that's what baptism is all about. And so when you get placed under the water, um, you are. It symbolizes your death, right? You're not. You're not breathing or doing normal things of life. You're just laying there. But then, when you come back out of the water, it's symbol symbolic of new life in Christ. And so, what I'm not saying is you got to get baptized in water, and that's what's going to all of a sudden open up this uh, this uh, portal of power for you. But what I am saying is that salvation is necessary. That apart from the Holy Spirit living in you. You have no chance to stand against uh, against the, the the satanic forces that come against your life, and that's why so many people are just. It seems like people lose their minds. It seems like people go off the rails and go off the deep end into crazy things. It's because it's a spiritual war that's being waged against our souls, and so uh, water baptism is a is a part of that journey. It's a part of that uh, expressed faith in Jesus that He has saved me, and so I'm obediently. Uh, following him into the waters of baptism. Uh, and, and so that might be a thing obedience-wise that that needs to happen within the, the lives of believers. Uh, and perhaps you, I, I'm not sure if, if you've been baptized or not, but uh, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit is vitally important. Uh, apart from salvation in Jesus and his Holy Spirit, there there is no strength. And so uh, it's like the Lord said, greater is he who's in you than he who's in the world. He who's in you is the Holy Spirit. He who is in the world is Satan and uh, the demonic forces. And so the the power isn't in us. It's not in a technique. It's not learning some spiritual jargon. It's it's in being filled with the Holy Spirit and knowing God's Word.
3: So I need to brush up on my biblical um, education. I've had it for all my life. But recently, uh, I definitely was attacked in some way, but... Um, mm-hmm. Usually I, the Holy Spirit comes through and I just it I'm okay. It's not this time yeah. and it scare it scared me. And I listened to your program; it's really excellent. And uh, I thought I'd call in to see. And I remember about the spiritual techniques. I mean, there are things I, I do recall. Uh, and I just need to. Um, I just was wondering why nothing came, came came to me. It just worried me that maybe I'm. Still Slipping just a tad. I need to brush up. And that's what I intend on doing. And you did tell me where to go, at least to read about Jesus, you know, what what he did. And I, I understand that there's no such thing actually as a spiritual technique. You just gave me a really great thing for me to, uh, I understand what you said, and I appreciate that. Yeah,
2: absolutely, Judy. Yeah, I, I totally, I I, gra- I grasp what you're you're communicating there. And uh, here's one, one last thing as we talk about this concept. In the, the account of Luke chapter 4, it's actually one of my favorite uh, pieces. Uh, it's my favorite accounting of it. Um, I like the way that Luke describes it because Luke adds a detail at the very end. I believe it's in verse 13 where it says, um, after Jesus had withstood all of these temptations that Satan left until an opportune time. And I think that's an important insight for us to grasp that we can withstand the attacks of the enemy and we can stand victoriously. But just because we win the battle doesn't mean that he's not going to come back. It doesn't mean we're never going to experience some kind of spiritual attack in the future. Um, And and so the part of that knowledge of knowing that I need to be on guard at all times. I need to live as though I'm in a war because I am. That's why uh, Paul wrote to Timothy and said, fight the good fight uh, of the faith. Uh, He encouraged him to be... Uh, to be in the fight of, uh, of waging the good warfare. Um, and so one of the most dangerous things to happen when soldiers are in a war is for them to have a peacetime mentality when they're in the, in the middle of a war. When soldiers ha- are living as though they're at peace, when they're actually at war, um, it's dangerous for them and it's dangerous for everybody else around them. And so, what ends up happening is that we can slip into sort of a peacetime mentality, and we we sort of uh um, let our foot off of the gas if you if you will on some of these things that we know that should be a, a major cornerstone in our lives we don't read our bible daily we 're not praying daily we 're not faithfully participating in a local church, and all of those things take place, and it it pulls us away from that strength in the Lord. Um, because we've just sort of stopped doing it. so Can I pray for you, Judy?
3: Thank you. Yes, please.
2: All right, let's pray. Father, I want to lift up Judy to you today. I pray that you would uh, protect her, that you would guard her heart and her mind against the attacks of the enemy. I pray that you would give her strength in you and that as Ephesians chapter 6 describes, that she would put on the full armor of God, uh, that she would be fully engulfed in the things that you have supplied for her, uh, that um, uh, f- uh, righteousness and truth and faith um, and th- the gospel of peace and your word would would surround her and give her the strength that she needs to stand and that you would uh, cause her, Lord, to be able to be established in you and, God, that you would use her for your glory. We pray together in Jesus' name. Amen.
3: Amen. Awesome. Oh, Cody, that was beautiful. Yeah. Thank you so much.
2: Absolutely, Judy. God bless you. Thanks for calling in today.
3: Thank you. You too.
2: All right. You're listening to Calvary Live. My name is Cody King. I'm uh, here in studio taking your calls, uh, answering your questions and your prayer requests. I'm the pastor at Redemption Calvary, um, and it's such a privilege and honor to be able to talk to you today. Um, hey, just by way of reminder, Easter Sunday is coming up, Sunday, April 4th. And that is, it is quicker than you think. I think it's uh, just over 30 days away, 35 days, something like that, uh, from today. And Man, it's a a crazy thing to think that we're that close to Easter already. Uh, But I want to encourage you, if you've never come to church, you can come to church. I would love to see you at Redemption Calvary. You are welcome to come. You don't have to be something or profess something in order to show up. Uh, you don't even have to dress a certain way. I'm going to wear a suit because that's what I do on Easter. But you can come however you are comfortable. Uh, and I'd love to see you. If you, if you come, uh, talk to me afterward. I'd love to be able to meet you or talk to me before. I'd love to talk to you and just uh, see what the Lord's doing in your life. Uh, but those of you who are believers, you're welcome to come as well. Uh, and uh, bring somebody with you. Uh, take somebody to church with you. Uh, you'll never know what God will do in those moments when um, when there's an opportunity to invite somebody. So we're going to have one service at Redemption. Uh, it's going to be at 1030 in the morning on Easter Sunday, and we're really looking forward to it. Hey, let's go to line one and Dawn in Denver. Don, you're on Calvary Live.
0: Yes, hello. Hi. Um, I, have, I, I have a prayer request. Um, my husband has been a Christian for a long time, but um, he's not, he's more... World uh, worldly than either of us would like, um, but I uh, am asking for prayer that it, that um, God would really take hold of him and that mm. he would start changing the way he is and and getting rid of and removing the worldliness from him, making him more tolerant of people and children and his family, uh, mostly so that he can be a good example. Um, that if it, if if God can turn him around and change his heart then uh, there there really is a God and uh, that really cares and and has the power to really uh change a person uh who they are for the better and that uh so that my the rest of my my children and the rest of my family can be saved as well.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I my heart goes out to you Dawn. I I absolutely understand um the the uh, tension that you're living within. And you said that your husband, he is a Christian?
0: Yes, but, um, well, uh, we're all sinners, of course, but um, he still has a lot of um, the world in him, I, sure. I, I'll say.
2: <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, let's pray. Thank you. Yeah, Father, we want to come to you today um, thanking you for the opportunity that you opened to us. The the way has been made for us to come to you and to bring our cares and worries to you. And Lord, we want to lift up Dawn to you and her husband. Uh, Father, you know exactly the details of the situation. You know what's happening within her husband's heart and within his mind. And Father, we pray that you would do the work that only you can to transform and to change him. Lord, there is, there is, we are powerless. There's nothing that we can do on our own to change somebody else or to change ourselves. We need you to intervene. And so, Lord, I pray that you would do that work, that you would uh, bring Don's husband into a place of repentance, that you would show him where his rebellion is against you and how it's affecting so many other people in his life, that the influence that he has is being misused and that uh, he will be held accountable to you for the way he's he's uh, um, speaking and acting. And that, Lord, you would uh, bring that to his attention, uh, and bring that uh, that chastening, as your word tells us in Hebrews, um, God that you you chasten those who you love. And so, Lord, we know that you love uh, Don's husband. We know that your desire is for him to live an honorable, godly life and that you want to use him for something much greater than just himself, that many others would come to know you as a result of the work that you do in his life. So, Father, would you do that work and would you allow us to rejoice over your great power and your great might? I pray that you would give Don the clarity of focus to know how to handle situations. I pray that you would uh, show her how she can um, care for and love him in a way that honors you the best uh, and that you would give for the right words to say when it's the right time and the, the right time or the, the ability to not speak when it's not the right time. And Lord, we don't, it's so hard for us to know how all those things should come together, but by your spirit, I pray that you would direct on as well. So Lord, we lift them to you. We pray that you would work and that we would uh, rejoice over the things that you do. We pray together in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. That that was perfect.
2: <laughs> Amen. God bless you, Don. Have a great rest of your day. And uh, call thank us back you. with uh, some updates on how we can continue to pray.
0: Okay. Thank you so much.
2: All right. God bless you. Goodbye. Thank you. You too. Right. Hey, you're listening to uh, Cody. Or, you're listening to Calvary Live. You're not listening to me. <laughs> you're listening to Calvary Live. My name's Cody. And uh, I'm excited to be able to uh, talk with you about the things of the Lord and uh, being able to connect with you through this technological, uh, awesomeness through the radio, through the internet. Uh, give me a call 303-690-3000 or send in a text message at 720-336-0897. Let's go to line three and Ivan in Denver. Ivan, you're on Calvary Live. Hey, Pastor. How are you doing? I'm well,
4: how are you? Okay, great. First of all, I'd just like to say that I listen to, uh, Grace FM all the time and awesome. I just, enjoy it thoroughly. But uh, the the question I have is that I, I, I was born and raised Catholic. Okay. And, uh, you know, they have the pap- papacy who so is supposed to be like the, you know, the government to, you know, to make sure that all the states, you know, make sure that they uh, follow the same laws. Now, the yeah. question that I have is like with the Calvary churches, which I thoroughly enjoy, but you go from, uh, like, Pastor Ed, Pastor, Pastor Jeff, and then you. Who's the authority, the final authority, you know, between the churches? Is each church independent and believe their own certain way? Or is there some sort of continuity besides just the Bible?
2: Sure, that's a great question. So your question sort of has two parts to it. One part has to do with uh, church government, and the other part has to do with uh, the, the church of, of Jesus. So, uh, here's, here's where I would describe it. On the one hand, you have what you describe with the Catholic church, that the Catholic church would say that they're the only true church. Uh, and the way that, you know, is because of the Pope and the line of all the popes, the papacy going, uh, back in time all the way to Peter. Um, there are lots of crazy problems with all of that. Um, and, uh, so, you know, first and foremost, I would say there is nothing biblically that we can point to that would say that Peter was the Pope of anything. Um, and so in fact, when you look back at the book of Acts, you see that Peter wasn't even the leader of the church in Jerusalem, James was. Um, and so, you know, he was one of the leaders there in the church, but, uh, the primary leader was James, not Peter. So. All of that aside, uh, in terms of of that concept, the concept of the Pope, um, they believe essentially a Catholic teaching is that the Pope is like the head of the church. Well, biblically speaking, um, that's heresy. Uh, Jesus is the head of the church, not the Pope. And so, um, you know, very clearly in Ephesians, um, we are told that Jesus is the head of his church. And so you know when you when you ask that question there's a theological side of it that's an answer where Jesus is the head of the church um and then there's a church government side which is how does that structure within churches who are under the umbrella of the Christian church and so that's that becomes a little bit different in terms of how does that work so um specific to the Calvary chapel um uh, tradition or the uh the way that Calvary chapels organize their uh, their government structure. Um, essentially, there's, there's sort of two different um, models within a Calvary Chapel structure. One of them is what's most commonly known as the Moses model uh, that God calls a man. And then uh, that man is raised up as the leader, very similar to the way that Moses was. And then God raises up other leaders around that leader to support him, in that work that the Lord is doing. So that's probably the most common Calvary Chapel uh, government structure. So the senior pastor or the lead pastor would be the one that would be in the seat of, uh, of authority, I guess you would say. Uh, the, the other side of that is something that is sort of a blend of what's called an elder-run church, uh, which means that there's a team of elders, uh, that, which is synonymous to the word pastor, Um, And that they together bear the responsibility of the church. Um, And so, uh, you know, that there are churches that run that way. um, And I would say that they believe something that's—they believe they're doing something that's not true. They think that they have this, you know, equality of authority that's shared among three or four or five people um, or more, you know, depending on the church. But the truth is, the reality is that when you're in any given situation, there's always somebody who's the leader. Um, And so I would say that when a Calvary Chapel is run well, when it is um, led by a leader that is not only strong in leading, but is also someone who is humble, uh, that leader will invite other uh, strong leaders into their closest circle to provide uh, accountability and that leader will submit to those other leaders uh, around him. So, I think that's kind of a long, wordy answer. I don't know if I answered your question clear enough, but uh, that's that's kind of the thoughts around that.
4: Basically, if the so, like you know, three pastors that I mentioned, are they in contact with each other and kind of like go through these things to make sure that they're you know preaching the same thing?
2: For sure, yeah. That's a, uh, as far as doctrine is concerned. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yes, yeah, so, so Calvary Chapel uh, churches ascribe to a similar doctrine, a similar way of interpreting the scriptures um, and so so yeah it's it's like a it, there's like a a, a distinctive uh, like that With, like there are another uh, denomination or not denomination, but another uh, category, I guess you would say within the church is the reformed church, and they have a, a certain theological sort of uh, slant on the way that they view the Scriptures, so too does Calvary Chapel.
4: Okay. Well, one, one last quick question. Uh, in, uh, in, I think it's James, Book of James, he talks about uh, confessing your sins to one another. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the Catholic Church has the confession booths. Um, and, you know, when I go through, through the uh, Calvary churches, I don't see, you know, how, how they go about confessing their sins to one another.
2: Sure. Yeah, really, really good. Yeah, James chapter 5 Let's see. Verse sixteen says this: "Confess your trespasses to one another, and pray for one another, that you may be healed." The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. So, um, essentially, here's what I would say about that particular verse. Um, this very specifically says that your, the confession of sin to one another and the prayer for one another is for the for the purpose for the express purpose of healing. Uh, it's not for the purpose of forgiveness. The only place that you go to for forgiveness is Jesus. That's it. Um, I can't forgive your sins. Um, Pastor Ed can't forgive your sins. Um, uh, Any pastor in any other church is powerless to forgive your sins. But the Lord says that when we confess to one another and we pray for one another, there's healing that's found in that. And so the way that we um do this at a, a typical Calvary Chapel church would be that there is usually uh a team of people available before or after service um, that are available to pray with people. We also believe in what's called the priesthood of believers. And so um, you know, uh in First Peter chapter two, verse nine, it says, But you are a chosen generation a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. So we believe that that every single believer carries this priesthood. Um, and so you don't need to come to me uh, in order to find that prayer and that healing. James doesn't require that, that it would be a, a certain person, like a pastor or something, but that you go to one another. So I think it's important to have wisdom in who you go to with, with some things, some things are very uh, sensitive and, and shouldn't be shared with just anybody. Uh, so perhaps it's appropriate to share that with a church leader. Um, but I would say for, for most things, it's a, it's, it's one of those things that we're supposed to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ, Galatians 6. Um, and so that it's practiced not with us. There's not a special man in Calvary Chapel that's got the only anointing from God. We believe that the anointing is available to everybody. First uh, John chapter two verse twenty.
4: Well, wow, that, that makes me feel so much better because, like I said, I was raised Catholic, and I'm, you know, I'm an older man now. <laughs> so, but yeah, it makes me feel so much better now.
2: Absolutely, Amen. I'm glad we were able to talk.
4: Well, great. Well, you yeah, have a blessed day.
2: Awesome. Thanks for calling in, Ivan. God bless
0: you.
4: God bless
2: you too. Bye. All right. See ya. Hey, my name's Cody. You're listening to Calvary Live and uh, uh, love to be able to spend time with you today. Um, and uh, I think we had a caller on the line, but that wasn't able to, uh, to hold on. Uh, but we are going to pray for her um, daughter, uh, her adult daughter, who ha- is addicted to drugs and alcohol. Um, and so we just we want to pray for her Um, and, uh, she's, she's saying, I don't know how to help her. Um, and I would say your biggest, your biggest weapon is the weapon of prayer, um, to pray for your daughter. Um, and, and, and I'm going to pray something that's sort of, it feels dangerous to pray, but I think it's the appropriate thing to pray. It's to, it's to ask God to do whatever it takes. Um, here's what, here's what it comes down to. The pain of the current situation has to be greater than the desire to stay there. And so sometimes in order for God to move in people's lives, I know it's it's true in my life, he had to bring a lot of pain into my life in order to get me to move the direction I needed to go. Why? Cuz I'm stubborn, cuz I'll sit in my foolishness in my own way. Um and uh and so I need I need to move forward in the way that God has called me to and the way that that's going to happen, typically God's going to bring pain into my life. So uh let's uh let's pray uh for your your daughter there. Um, Father, we want to lift up this woman and her daughter as they're uh, struggling over um, this drug addiction, this alcoholism. And Father, I I pray that you would break the chains of this addiction. That Lord, you would do whatever it takes to get through to her. That Father, you would would come into her life in such power and such authority. Uh, that she would be released from this addiction and that she would be fully uh, alive and on fire for you, Jesus. Uh, Lord, we know that you're the only one who can accomplish this task. Um, there, There are some programs that help with these things and try to provide the structures that are necessary and accountability that helps. And Lord, we thank you for those. But when it all comes down to it, God, apart from you, we can't do anything. Jesus, you said that. You said it in John 15, and we believe it. And so, Father, we pray that you would move in power, in might, and in authority, and that your glory would be on display. Father, we thank you that we can can hope in you and trust you for this, and we look forward to seeing uh, your glorious, miraculous moving in her life. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Father or <laughs> hey you're listening to uh Calvary Live. Uh, my name's Cody. I'm the pastor at Redemption Calvary. We hold Sunday services at Redemption or excuse me Henderson Church, Henderson Community Church which is on 120th Avenue about a quarter mile east of Highway 85. So we're on the northeast side of the Metro Denver area. Uh, we hold one Sunday morning service at 1030 in the morning, and I would love to have you join us. We're currently studying through the book of 1 Samuel, and man, it has been a powerful time searching through the scriptures together in 1 Samuel. I know that the Lord has uh, something to speak to you, so I'd love, I'd encourage you to, to listen in. You can do so by coming to church at 1030. You can also do that by checking out our um, our YouTube channel. Uh, It's Redemption Calvary on YouTube there. Just search for Redemption Calvary. Or also our podcast. And uh, also on our website, we have all of our uh, sermons, uh, current and the past one. Uh, So for uh, directions to the church, to listen to sermons, to get more information about the church, check out our website, redemptioncalvary.org. And also Easter Sunday is coming up. Sunday, April 4th, I'd love to have you join us uh, for Easter. We'll have one service, one family service at 1030 in the morning uh, on Easter Sunday, the 4th of April. It's been an amazing time to talk to you. Thank you for joining us uh, today on Calvary Live. It's been an honor and privilege to be with you today um, and uh, look forward to being able to see how the Lord grows us in His grace and in His knowledge. Um, Jesus is just so, uh, so amazing, such a, a privilege and honor to uh, be a part of his family. So until next time, may you grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. God bless you.